This is Greg Collins, Substitute Teacher's Lounge. Okay, you show up to Substitute Teach. The teacher has told you their assignments on Google Classroom, or maybe they're working on iReady, and within the first five minutes of the class you hear, I've already finished mine. What are you going to do now? Let's talk about that today. All right, I did a lot of virtual teaching this week. I'm having so much fun. I don't like it as much as being face-to-face with the students, but I don't think any teacher does because that's why you become a teacher or a substitute teacher because you like working with kids. You really like working with kids, and you'd rather do that one-on-one. But it's it was really kind of funny because it reminded me of so many things of the past two years as I was substitute teaching We would lay out an assignment for the kids this week. First of all, I want to give so much thanks to the to the principal and the teachers at the school where I'm teaching. They've given me so many great ideas, some of which I'm going to share with you today that I didn't know, some of which it's things that I use all the time as a substitute, but I didn't know about certain features of it. So we'll talk about that. But I noticed as I was preparing assignments for the students, just as in every class that I've ever been in, some of the students will get through the assignments quickly. Some of them will not. Some of them you have to be ready to provide extra work for, and some were not. And it just made me think of all the times. In fact, I'm not sure if this doesn't fit every class I've ever substituted for. You're always going to have students that get through more quickly than others. So you've got to have all this back pocket material, maybe just for them. It might not even be an additional assignment because then you'll have a class that is not moving along at the same time. So you have to take all that in consideration. But I learned so many new things this week, and that's what I want to talk about today. Okay, my first class, I've got a class of sixth graders in math, and I've got a class, two classes of seventh graders in math. And I'm also teaching computer applications, which is more of a related arts type deal. So I'm going to talk mainly about the math classes. They all had, I think, three assignments, and don't think I'm a, I'm a, you know, a hard nose. It's three fairly simple assignments. We, I'm coordinating the material with other seventh grade teachers and other sixth grade teachers. We teach the same thing. Uh, We use our own methods, of course, but we're teaching the same basic material as we do have to in the state of Kentucky because of the standards that are here. I know you have standards in your school as well, but that's what we were doing. In my sixth grade class, we had talked a bit about perimeter and area of quadrilaterals and parallelograms, squares, and include squares, rhombus, all that fun stuff from when we all went to school. Thank goodness I'd been refreshed on it the last couple of years. I think I could have gotten through it, but I'm glad I had a lot of help at the school. So I would thought thought I would try my hand at some things. I, w- I had just begun 
you know, I got two weeks of Google Classroom under my belt, and you know from last week's episode, I would recommend student or substitute and student teachers for that matter, but substitute teachers specifically to get in there and try that. Go to classroom.google.com. You might be able to prepare some slides of your own that you really like. All of our schools and I think most schools in the country now are are incorporating bitmojis into their classroom to give it a and I hate to say cartoony because that sounds that doesn't sound as nice as I want it to, but it, it's just kind of a friendly atmosphere for the kids. They can go in there, see your daily agenda. Even if you're a substitute teacher, you can create a daily agenda. So if you just put together a template to share with the students when you walk in, even on a day that they're only going to be working on Google Classroom, you can share some personal details about you. Believe me, it is better than just writing your name on the whiteboard and telling them what your background is and what you like to do. If you put it in this format, project it up on the screen, they are going to enjoy that a lot better. So learn how to do that first. We talked about that last week. i tell you one little side note that most of us teachers are doing, and I would think even a substitute teacher could do that it would help them perhaps confirm the attendance if you're either doing virtual teaching right now or you've got all of the students in the classroom with a device of some type because you can ask, just ask a simple question. In my case, I actually make it a trivia question. I mean, we're going to study math for an entire class, so I'm just going to give you some kind of cutesy question to ask at the end of class and then you click submit and I will see all that in the Google Classroom that that I'd set up even if you're just I hate to say just but you know what I mean just substitute teaching I think that will be like a good double check for your attendance so you can go into Google Classroom you can click create you can click the button that says question and then it just expects you to ask a question and it gives the students a blank to fill in and then you can publish that so what i do each day like i just started officiating sports again this week getting back into volleyball at the same time uh, the national football league fired up again this week so i had a couple of questions related to both football and volleyball they answered it it went to my stream and i could confirm that in fact my attendance that i had taken by hand as well was correct because, and especially right now, since I'm doing it virtually, if I don't do it that way, I certainly don't want anybody to be slighted that just had an internet issue. At the same time, I don't want to count somebody there just because they figured out a way to get themselves counted in the attendance. So in this case, I save this question to the end of the class. They answer it because I give it to them at the end of class. So they know what answer to put in there. So that worked out well. The other things I did, I, I did quizzes in two different formats. First of all, I, I should mention too that I gave them notes through Google Classroom. You could give them notes through any format, but especially for a substitute teacher, if you're involved with designing quizzes of some type. Now, I think the only time I've really done this is when I've been a long-term sub, but you'll occasionally get close enough to a teacher that they will allow you 
to, they'll tell you the material. They'll allow you to present it the way you want to. You could design a quiz. You know, I've talked about previously doing quizzes on Kahoot, maybe giving them four minutes per question because then Kahoot's got some really good reports that will feed right back to you, automatically grading their test. And then if you are put in a situation where you have to enter grades, you've got it right there on a sheet. You don't have to flip through papers for hours grading tests. Kahoot's already done that for you. So I did one thing. Now, I've never mentioned this before about Kahoot, so let me start with this. There is a feature in Kahoot now called Kahoot Challenge. If you're familiar with it, first of all, if you're not familiar with it at all, at all I would encourage you to go way back to one of our early episodes. I know that was in our first 10 episodes. So go back there. You'll see Kahoot in the title of the episode, and you can work on it in that matter and get familiar with what Kahoot is. For those of you that are familiar with what Kahoot is, and I know some of our, a lot of our teachers use Quizlet, a lot of them use quizzes, and all those have similar features. Before, I had always thought of Kahoot about something that's only good in a classroom format when we're having fun. In fact, it's competitive, and it's it helps them learn, but it also does it in a fun way. And hopefully, they are competitive enough that they're learning from the answers they miss as much as confirming when they get one correct. Now, I will tell you this. I did a regular Kahoot with them once in the last two weeks. And I'll be honest, while we're in a virtual environment, they had fun but it's just not as much fun as having them all in a room where they can react and cheer for getting their answer right and, you know, make those friendly but yet competitive comments to their friends. It just takes a little bit away, but we made it work and everybody still enjoyed it. It's just that we couldn't interact as much. Kahoot has something called Kahoot Challenge. Here's the way it works. You go into Kahoot, you find a test, or you can create one of your own. And I'll tell you some of my experience this week, and I'm going to have to do both, and I'll tell you why. But we'll save that for just a second. So I found a test. We were, as I mentioned, we're doing perimeter and area of quadrilaterals. I found a good Kahoot already on there that I could post. I wanted to make sure that they understand everything that I had gone through. Now, another great thing about Kahoot and also the quizzes that you enter through Google Classroom, if you just create one there, they will tell you when the results come back, how many got it wrong. And of course, and every teacher that I've discussed this with this week agrees, we actually had a meeting where another teacher brought it up that we agreed with, is that when you've got 90, 95% of the students getting it wrong, we'll have to admit that's more on us as teachers. We either didn't explain something properly, we left it out, or maybe we didn't yet cover some things that snuck in on the quiz that we didn't look closely enough. In fact, what I did, I, I assigned this Kahoot challenge to three different classes and then took it myself because I wanted to see what problems they would encounter. And yes, I did get the answers correct, so that's good that maybe, although it wouldn't bother me if a student beat me, that would allow me then to 
see the questions kind of relate to what they had been going through. I did realize that some of the questions were not really something we had covered yet, and that was my mistake. And, of course, that's some of the questions that they miss most. So Cahoots reports tell you which questions they miss most. You know what you need to cover. So here's what I told them, because it was a 10-point value in our grading system. So it's small, but yet, you know, the kids want those 10 points. So after I took the challenge, and within 24 hours of when I gave it to them, I went ahead and let them know, in my case, I let them know through Google Classroom, that I realized that some of the questions we hadn't gone over over yet. Now, I have to mention, some of the students got them all right, even though we hadn't covered them yet. So I didn't want to penalize them. So what I'm going to do is design my own Kahoot, and I'm going to let them take that one too and use the score that is the best between the two. That way, I don't penalize those that have already done it well. Although I will tell you this, I could virtually guarantee you that the ones that did well in the first test you know, maybe got 100%, they're still going to take the second one because they want to see what's on it. But here's the challenge part, and here's where the substitute teacher can come in. You could say that at the end of class, when the students got their assignments done, maybe have a Kahoot prepared to play. But for those that are already finished, here's what you do. You go to any Kahoot that is out there or one that you created, maybe at home, If you've got some in your back pocket or if you knew what subject you were going to teach, you could go ahead and create one. In my case, I went to one that was already in there about the topic that we were were covering. And if I'm stumbling across my words, it's because I'm going back to the Kahoot site right now to make sure I get all of the terminology I'm going to be talking about correctly. But I'll click on one of those now. And what you'll do when you click on a Kahoot and you click on play It is now going to give you a choice of teach or assign. Teach says it's a good tool for virtual classrooms. Assign is self-paced learning. So if you click on assign, it, in fact, it tells me right now that I've got a challenge in progress on the one I just pulled up. I just pulled one up at random for geometry, and I realized that's one that I had assigned. And it tells me you can set a due date and a time. You can turn the question timer off because this is going to be more of a self-paced thing. All of them have about three days to get their work done. And of course, many of them were already asking me questions within probably an hour. So I'm glad that they were excited enough to do that. That's something you can do as a substitute teacher if the teacher has assigned something and a lot of the students have already finished it. And kids work ahead all the time. So this is something you can keep in your back pocket. You see, for the ones that are still finishing the work, let them finish their work. And you can say to the others, okay, I have assigned a Kahoot challenge. Here is the code. I want to see how well you do on your topic. They go in and do that on their own. Now, you could have them do that for the rest of the class. And the great thing about it, unlike the normal Kahoot, the other students aren't distracted by the questions. 
perhaps maybe the one thing that you'll have to deal with is they want to be doing this too, so they might rush through their work. So make sure you don't let that happen. But here's what's happening now. The ones that are finished with their original assignment, they're now doing your Kahoot Challenge. They're doing it on their own pace so that they can take as long as they want to to answer a question. You can still leave the timer in there if you want to, but they are not competing with each other. You know, student B that's finished might click a question 45 seconds after student A. They're answering the question at different times. It will still, on your reports, when you see the reports after the class is over, it will still tell you which students did the best, how much time they took, all the normal things you will get from a Kahoot report. But I think that's a good thing. Learn Kahoot. Go through it just like you were getting ready to play it in your classroom, but on the occasions when students run out of work, do a Kahoot challenge. Tell them they need to punch this code and go to Kahoot.it and punch the code in the just like they normally do when they play it in the classroom. And instead of it popping up in the front, they will actually get the questions on their screen and they can answer them right there. So I know a lot of them like doing that, doing it that way anyway. So that's a Kahoot, uh, that's a Kahoot challenge. So that went really well. There's one other thing that I want to cover with you today. And I know I'll be covering this on a future show because I've never used it before, but since a teacher brought it up this week, I'm really excited about it and I've researched it. I've already set up an account with this company And the more I was thinking about it, the more I was thinking, man, this would have been great when I was substitute teaching for these kids that ran out of things to do or worked ahead. Here's what it's called. It's called Plickers, not Clickers, P as in potato, Plickers.com. Now, I know some of you have heard of this. I had probably seen the items that you need to use to use this tool in classrooms that I'd taught in before, but I didn't realize what they were. And I'll do my best to describe it. There's some really good YouTube videos. I just typed in Plickers and the first few, I watched maybe four of them because some were showing how it went in the classroom. Some were just describing how it works. Generally speaking, here's what happens. There is a paid account and a free account. You can do everything you want to do in the free account. You probably would want to get some printing paper and print out some things, and I'll tell you why. The way this works, you're going to use the projector in the classroom. You're going to design questions on the website, similar to how you do Kahoot, but each student will have a card. Now, You might be, for those of you that are listening to this in the future, we are recording this September of 2020, and we are still under pandemic COVID restrictions. So obviously, what I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to figure out how to sanitize things. You're going to have to figure out if you use a type of laminated card, and I'll tell you what I mean by that here in just a moment. 
you're going to figure out have to how to san you have to figure out how to sanitize them between classes. I'll make a suggestion to you that might make it easier. But back to the questions, you've created the question. You're going to need a way to project those questions up on the board. You're going to have an app for Plickers that you're going to hold your phone up. Every kid in that classroom will essentially have what amounts to a barcode in their hand. You can print out these barcodes right on your computer if you want. Now, to keep it free, other than the cost of the printing paper and the ink for your printer, you could print out one for each student and have them tape it into their notebook, as long as the tape doesn't cover up the barcode, of course. Now, here's the way this works. You're going to ask them a question. It's going to project on the screen. They've got these cards in front of them. The cards on each edge will say A, B, C, or D. They hold what they think is the correct answer up. If it's taped to their notebook, they hold that up. If it's a card, you have either laminated. And if you do so, make sure it's in matte format or it may not read correctly. They're going to hold those up with the letter at the top. The letters are small enough that maybe the other students can't look around and see what everybody else is holding up. They're going to hold that up just right in the classroom towards the teacher. And substitutes and teachers out there, this is the fun part. You're going to hold your cell phone up, your smartphone. i got to break my habit of saying cell phone, Donna. Your smartphone, you're going to have the Plickers app open. It's going to be synced to the question you're asking that you projected on the screen. And guess what? As you pan around the room, with your your camera is basically going to be looking at the cards that they're holding up. It can tell you whether they've answered yet or not. If they've submit, if, if you've recorded their answer, but just by scanning the room, I think that's so cool. You scan those codes that they're holding up in the air, and you immediately know what the answer is, and. It projects up on the screen how many have answered, how many you're still waiting on, and then if you choose so, it displays a bar graph to show how many people got them right or wrong. That's similar to what Kahoot's doing, but it's so cool that you can actually scan. It's already recorded. You're just basically passing your phone. It's kind of a fun way to do that for students. And the way the substitute can incorporate their in, into their class, be prepared with some questions to ask in that format. You can actually buy plastic cards in the Plickers format that can be used for this. Again, make sure you figure out how to successfully sanitize them if you're using them in our current situation. So I thought that was really cool. That's it's kind of it reminds me a lot about Kahoot, uh, the way it's pr- it's put together because you're asking questions and getting responses, but it's just another cool way of of reading the responses. I know when I play Kahoot, sometimes in the classroom, all those Chromebooks are on Wi-Fi. So sometimes you might have a glitch in the Wi-Fi or all of a sudden it's clocking and clocking and clocking. In fact, from your screen as a teacher, sometimes your screen will be clocking. 
And I'm not saying that Plickers wouldn't occasionally have that, but this is just another option. It's a way of all they have to do instead of clicking something and waiting for it to go over the Wi-Fi to you, they just have to hold the card up. You pass, you hold your smartphone in your hand and kind of sweep the class left to right, and it's going to record all those answers. And I think that's really a cool thing. So it's something good for the substitute teacher to keep in mind. I didn't do a great job of explaining that perfectly because I know you can go to plickers.com. I can guarantee you I'm going to use this. I haven't yet, and I'm going to give you some more feedback in the future. We'll have a Plickers episode because I think it's going to be that important. Those are two tools for the substitute teacher to have ready if the students are going to get finished too quickly and you need something else to do. So look at the Kahoot Challenge, look at the Plickers situation, and then always have something in your back pocket. In fact, what I do as well, you're going to have many days. I'm going to say even the majority of my days that as a substitute teacher, All the students would be finished before class is over. So they've worked hard in class. You could choose either to do something competitive, even if it's just having them go up to the board, or you you could do a quick Kahoot if you had time. I like to have competitions on the board. Again, this is 2020, so we'd have to make sure we're socially distanced if we're doing that. Other things might just be dividing the class up in the room, asking questions. Ask them if they've worked hard. Ask them some fun trivia questions about anything, movies or TV shows or sports, just as kind of a, a reward for working so hard for for the first 40 minutes of class and enjoying the last five minutes with something they really enjoy following. So always be prepared to do that. But those are just some good tools that I'm looking forward to using all year as I do this full-time substitute teacher position. And since this position will probably go away after this year, I know my contract will be over after this year because we're hoping, you know, the COVID uh, situation will smooth out a bit by next class class year. Surely, to goodness, that's what's the case. I'm hoping you're not listening to this a year in advance and realizing that it hasn't. I hope we come back to normal situations next year and you'll be ready to use all these tools in your classroom. But had a lot of fun this week, man. I love teaching those kids. It's so cool. My principal came in one day today and walked behind me so she could see all my students. And it's so cool. It's, I mean, it's not a classroom, but it is just a virtual little classroom with all their faces. And it's really kind of a cool situation. One thing I'm doing right now is if they do their work well, I let them have the last five minutes to talk to each other. And of course, I'm there in case they want to answer questions. So There you go. There's some ideas for you to do both automated and hands-on that hopefully you can use anytime you go into the classroom and you realize they don't have enough work to keep them busy for the whole time. So, So there you go. I will see you next week again on Substitute Teacher's Lounge.
music provided by Ben Sound.